You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbeck. It is Friday. It is a good Friday. It's the day that we remember what Christ has done for us. Welcome to Central Church, and if this is your first time being with us, we love Jesus here. Amen? Amen. And if this is your first time in the pew back in front of you, is this little card that says, Take My Next Step. And if you would, just fill out your name and information, and you can leave it in the pew as you leave, and that'll help us minister to you. And uh, at the end of our service, I'll give you also an opportunity, if maybe you're here and you've been here before, Sunday's coming. And... Um, <laughs> And if you're here and you want to uh, find out how to make more next steps, we, we want to help you with that. Well, we're going to be looking tonight in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to begin, and we're going to begin in verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, it'll be on the screen in front of you or in the pew back or on your phone or on your Bible. So would you stand as we read God's Word in Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll begin in verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated. How many of you enjoy running? Some of you do. Some of you say, the only time I run is when I'm called to eat dinner. And I understand that. Well, I, I'm a runner and uh, I'm an avid runner. I'm not a very fast runner and I'm not a very good runner, but I am a runner. And so the other day uh, on Saturdays, I do my long runs. And uh, it was last Saturday I was running and it was a particularly warm Saturday morning. And uh, tomorrow morning when I run, it won't be as warm. Somebody left the AC on. Uh, and so, but the furnace is coming back next week in Florida. Uh, but uh, some of you are excited about that. Sounds like y'all are a very happy group tonight. And the noise keeps coming. All right. So, uh, I, uh, I've been running for quite some time, and one of the things that I did Saturday is I was able to run uh, one of the farthest distances that I've ran for a while, and so uh, I've been preparing for it every Saturday, been kind of running and preparing myself for it, and in the morning now that I'm getting older, I have to stretch and I have to warm up, I have to get ready, and so there I was, and I was out on the run and feeling good about myself. I, was, I have a running partner, and, I, and he was kind of huffing and puffing, but I was going, and so I was doing really well, feeling really good about myself, and then I got to about mile number seven, and that runner's high, that short-lived runner's high began to wear off. And, and, and now I was beginning to wear out. And my body said to me, Alan, what are you doing? We've been around for 37 years. We're not used to going this far. And so I, I had it in my head. I'm not going to stop. Whatever it takes, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to run. I'm going to push myself. I, I'm, I'm motivated. I am, I am ready to roll on this thing. And so all I can think about while I was running is I cannot wait to be done and drink a big old 
thing of water. I mean, when you're sitting there and you're running, you're just ready to rest. And I knew that if I just finished this run, I would feel so much better because I kind of have this saying I've made up in my head and it sounds really good in my head, maybe not sound really good out to you. But the harder I run, the more joy I have when I finish the run. And so that's what's in my head. And I remember when, when I was in high school, I played football, and, and one of my coaches said, he said, son, when you're struggling to run, set your eyes on the goal and run to it. And so I cranked up the music, and I ran, and I finished the goal, and thank Jesus I didn't die. Amen. For the glory of God. Well, tonight we're looking in Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews is using an analogy of running. And he's encouraging believers to see that the Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. And if you and I are going to be successful, if we're going to continue in the fight of faith for joy, if we're going to have endurance, endurance is best described and defined as long obedience in the same direction. If we're going to make it in life, we have to keep our eyes on the goal. Because when you and I keep our eyes and we get our eyes off the goal, we tend to lose focus and we lose fight. We start to slow down and we threaten to quit. And so the writer here of Hebrews is telling us that there's a crowd around us who has gone before us and they have finished the race. And they finished the race very well. But those past heroes are, are not the ones that we should fix our eyes on. They maybe inspire us, but they're not the ones that we should focus on. There is one that we should focus on if we're going to finish this race. And he is saying we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. The key and secret to Christian living is keeping your eyes on Jesus. The key to a successful marriage is keeping your eyes on Jesus. The key to successful parenting is keeping your eyes on Jesus. The key to living life in a crazy COVID-19 world is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one who has gotten you into the race and Jesus is the one who's going to keep you in the race. Because he started the race, he finished the race, and as we look to him on Good Friday, one of the things that we see is that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins, and the Bible says that he counted it joy. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God's throne. And so the questions we want to look at tonight as we think of Jesus on this Good Friday is number one, what was Jesus' joy? What was Jesus' joy? It says, for the joy set before him. What was his joy? The answer is our salvation. He says here, for it was the joy set before him. This word for means in order to obtain or in order to experience. It was for the order to experience. It was for joy that Jesus endured the cross. It was that joy that motivated Jesus and sustained Jesus. It was joy that was his reward. It was joy that compelled him to leave heaven and come to earth. It was joy that came into his life even as he is on the cross in the midst of agony. Now joy is more than just happiness. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure, but it is much deeper and longer lasting than happiness. Happiness depends on what happens, but joy is something different. Joy is eternal. Joy is enduring. So what was the joy of Jesus in going to the cross on Good Friday? It was the joy of seeing the Father's plan of redemption accomplished. It was the joy of being the Savior of the world. See, what was coming for Jesus on the other side of the cross 
was the joy of seeing His people forgiven and His people restored into a right relationship with God. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus gets joy when people are reconciled to God. Jesus gets joy when people are restored to God. I I love this. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus says, So I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who have no need of repentance. But then notice in verse number 10 what Jesus then says. He says, So I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, as many of you maybe have heard those verses before, you begin to think that when someone in heaven gets saved, when someone on earth gets saved, that all the angels rejoice. It's kind of like on the, uh, that movie that we watch, It's a Wonderful Life, that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And so you think the idea is that all of heaven is rejoicing. But it's interesting to note here that the one who is rejoicing isn't the angels. The one who is rejoicing is rejoicing Before the angels. Who is that? It's God Almighty. When one sinner comes to repentance, when one sinner turns to Him for forgiveness, for healing, they're shouting, they're singing, there's celebration in the presence of the angels because God Almighty is rejoicing over the fact that He can show His grace to sinners who do not deserve it. Do you understand that God delights in giving grace to those who cannot rescue themselves? Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I want you to imagine that in God's heart and in His mind, when one sinner, when one person turns from sin and turns to Him, He rejoices. He sings, he shouts with joy. And could you imagine what it would sound like to hear God sing over you? Jesus' love for us gives him joy in seeing those he loves being rescued from sin and death. It's like the joy that a parent experiences after his child or her child has been rescued from a very dangerous situation. It's the joy that a first responder feels when someone is saved out of a house fire. It's the joy of a spouse in knowing that their spouse is cancer-free and in full remission. There's a joy there. It was for the joy that was set before him. What was his joy? It was our salvation. Notice he says, We should look to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What is the second question? What did he endure? Crucifixion. What was his joy? Our salvation. What did he endure? Crucifixion. He says he endured the cross. It was the joy of your salvation, the joy of our salvation that enabled him to go to the cross. You ever heard that old song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind? Think about that. He knew you, yet he loved you. He took your sin and your sorrow and he made it his very own. And he took that burden to Calvary and he suffered and died alone. Listen, Jesus loves you so much that he chose to suffer instead of you. Think about the cross. The cross tells us that we are so sinful that he had to die. But yet the cross tells us we're so loved he is willing to die. What did he endure? Well, he endured the physical suffering. Roman crucifixion was the most torturous, painful way to die in the history of the world in that day. 
before crucifixion, Jesus would have to endure at least 12 hours of torture. He would undergo severe beatings, multiple lacerations on of his body. He would, he would have his beard ripped from his face, a crown of thorns, razor thorns on his head. And then after all of the late night beatings and isolation and sleepless nights, he was then told in that morning to carry a 120 pound wooden beam up a hill by himself. Then Jesus would get to that place after a little help from Simon the Cyrene to that place called the place of the skull, the hill on the skull. And then he would be nailed to the cross with his hands and his feet. And then he would have to hang there and endure at least six hours of suffering where he would suffocate and die. Most people died from exposure. And what would normally happen is that they would be in such pain that they wouldn't necessarily die, but they would be trying to struggle to get their breath and their body would be, their lungs would be filled with blood and with water and and they would try to get their breath and they would have to rise up on their legs that are nailed to a, a, a tree. But Jesus, he died, his heart burst. When they pierced his side, out came water and blood. Someone said that he died of a broken heart. But what was as bad as the physical suffering of Jesus pales in comparison to the spiritual suffering that he had to endure. As bad as the physical torture was, the spiritual torture was far worse because on the cross, Jesus was treated by God the Father as we deserve to be treated. On the cross, Jesus felt the holy, uncompromised wrath of God on behalf of sinners. Jesus, on six, in six hours on the cross, endured what we would have to take for eternity, a place called hell. For six hours, Jesus faced hell for you. And yet on the cross, he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And all he got was the silence of heaven. And what made it so horrible is that for all eternity past, Jesus has always been in complete communication with Father and Holy Spirit. But in this one moment in history, Jesus was separate. He was treated on the cross as we deserve. He endured the suffering and he despised the shame. The death of crucifixion was a shameful form of execution. It was so shameful that Roman citizens were forbidden. They were not allowed. If someone was a Roman citizen, they would never go through crucifixion because it was forbidden for Roman citizens. It was such a shameful act. Jews believed that everyone who hanged on a a tree was cursed by God. And yet in that moment on the cross on Friday, Jesus, who is God, the Lord of glory, humbled himself, took our shame, was mocked, was ridiculed, was stripped, and he did all of that for love. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be? that thou, my God, would die for me. What was his joy? Our salvation. What did he endure? Crucifixion. But here's the question, or here's the last question. Why is he seated? Notice it says that, look to Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why is he seated? Why is Jesus sitting? You know why? Because there's no more work to do. The work of salvation is done. See, you only sit down when you work. I had one of my first jobs was Arby's. 
I don't eat often at Arby's anymore. And one of, the, one of the ladies that was there, the managers, if she ever saw us resting, she would look at us and she'd say, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. You only sit down when the job is done. Well, the Bible here tells us that Jesus is seated because he has done the job. He is our high priest and all high priest. And his final sacrifice completely covered the sins of his people. And they are saved forever. Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 8.1, Hebrews 10.12, we don't have time, but they all talk about after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. Even to this moment, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God's throne, showing us that the bridge to God is wide open. Now, how can that be? How is it that he's the bridge to God? Because he kept God's perfect standard. He lived the life that we should have lived. He fulfilled every demand of the law and he paid our debt in full to, a, to God to whom we could never repay. On that cross, Jesus paid that debt. And if he paid it all, then there is nothing left for me to pay. Have you ever gone out to eat with somebody and, and at the end they pay for your meal? Isn't that a blessing? Amen. And so if, you, if somebody pays for your meal, when it's over, do you go up to the server and say, you know, I would like to pay for that meal too? <laughs> what would that server say to you? No, it's already been paid. You can't overpay. It's already been paid in full. Listen, there is nothing that you and I could ever do to add to what Jesus did. And there's nothing that we could ever do to take away from what Jesus did. The work of salvation is complete. Christ's obedience is so spectacular that there's nothing we can do to add to it. And there's death is so final that there's nothing we could do to take away from it. Now, here's a question I have for some of you. How many of your sins were future sins when Jesus died on the cross? All of them. How many of those sins did He pay for? All of them. You know, many people that are believers live in a constant state of worry that they're not good enough, that they don't measure up, that they're unforgivable, unlovable, and even unsavable. And even those who believe in Jesus worry and work and work and worry thinking they have to pay back a debt that Jesus paid for them. But you have to be reminded today that Jesus is seated and there's nothing else to do. Because the last words of Jesus on the cross was, it is finished. It wasn't that Jesus was finished. It was that your sin was finished. It was that Satan was finished. It was that death was finished. It is that the grave is finished. That COVID-19 is finished. All is finished. See, Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he did it on Friday. That's a big Friday. That's a good Friday. So you can endure life regardless of what comes your way because of what Jesus did for you on Good Friday. Our salvation was purchased by His crucifixion, 
which leads to His joy and our eternal satisfaction. So the question I want to end with tonight is this. Do you have this assurance? Some of you, you're new to church. Some of this is your first time in church in a long time, and you're hearing people clap, and as we would say in Kentucky, hoop and holler. And you're like, these people are nuts. And some of them are. But the question is, do you have this joy? Do you have this assurance? Who are you trusting for your future? You know, one of the world's largest religious festivals is a festival in India. And I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of it, but it's, it's called Kumala. And it happens every three years along the Gangs River. We call it the Ganges in India. And at this festival, over 125 million Indians will make their journey to the waters of the Ganj River. Now, let me just give you some perspective. Every year pre-COVID, over 2 million Muslims will go to uh, Mecca for their Hajj. This is 125 million. Here's some pictures of, of a recent one. As a matter of fact, the next one is April 12th, 14th, and 27th of this year. And you can make your trip plans right now. And you'll be with your closest 125 million friends. Celebrities, politicians, rich people, poor people, all flock to the riverbanks. And the reason they do this is because the people believe that every three years, the water of the Ganges River or the Ganges River is stirred up by the gods. And if you can submerge yourself in, if you can dip yourself into the Ganges River, it will erase your sins and will give you hope for eternal life for three years. It's, it's said, uh, and this was even in one of the Indian newspapers, that to bathe in the Ganges River is to wash away your sins. To die there is to escape the cycle of reincarnation and achieve instant salvation. So people will travel for days, they'll stay for weeks, all along this river, hoping to get their spot and get their turn to dump, to jump in this river so that their sins can be forgiven and they can have peace in their lives. And, they, and, and millions do this, but it only lasts three years. And every three years, they got to come back in. You know what this is a picture of? It's a picture of the masses of people in our world who are looking for security. They're looking for hope. And they think they can find it, but they never do. But yet I want you to understand that security is not found by trusting in the dirty water found in India. But it's by trusting in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Because there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners who plunge beneath that flow lose all their guilty stains. Don't look around. Don't look down. Don't look within. Look to Jesus. And if you're here tonight, and maybe you're like, you know what, I don't have this peace. I don't have this assurance. There is no better night than to get that tonight. 
You, you don't have to jump into a water pool. You, you don't have to do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. All you have to do is just surrender to the one who's done everything for you. It's kind of like that moment, you know, when, when somebody pays your bill, you have to kind of humble yourselves and accept it. Well, salvation is receiving that gift. It's receiving it in faith and saying, I take it. I can't pay it. I can't repay it. But I'm going to accept it. I'm going to trust it. And tonight you can do that. And I promise you by the authority of God's word that if you are his, you're his forever. And he's seated. He ain't getting up. He ain't pointing his finger because he's sitting down. So tonight, if you don't have that hope, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room, would you just bow your heads just for a moment? And I want to give you an opportunity. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that if there's anyone here in this room or watching online that needs that peace that only you can give. Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in ways that only you can move. And I pray, God, that tonight, if there's someone here that needs to trust you as Savior, that they would pray a prayer just like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. God, I'm so tired. I'm tired of trying to prove myself to you. And tonight, I just humbly surrender my life to you. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And God, I want to trust you with everything. My past, my present, and my future. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If any of you in this room have just prayed to trust Christ as your Savior, I want you to do something courageous tonight. I want you to take some time and fill out that card and you can turn it in and you're in the pew, just leave it in the pew. But I want you to leave here tonight knowing that your sins are forgiven and praise God. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at this time, as the lights come back up, we're going to take a time of communion. Hopefully, you, you received... Uh, your cup, it's in the pew back in front of you if you wasn't able to get this. If you're unable, if you weren't able to get one of these, just lift your hand up and one of our ushers will be able to help you. If you'll be very careful as to peel out that first part. On Good Friday, our, the tradition of our church is to take the Lord's Supper together. For some of you that are new to church, you're like, what is this all about? What is this little plastic cup and this little wafer? Well, it pictures something. It pictures what Jesus did for us. The, the little wafer there is a picture of the body of Christ. It's, it's a little piece of bread. It's without leaven, without any kind of yeast in it. And it pictures Jesus' sinless life. But it also tells us that God so loved the world that He came to this world in a real body, in a real person, the person of Jesus. And on the night of the Passover, which would be Thursday, which would have been yesterday, if you're thinking chronologically of the Holy Week, Jesus took His disciples to the upper room and He went to the, the bread part after the, the meal everyone had eaten. And they, he comes to the end part where the afikonin is. This is the kind of the dessert bread that they would eat at the very end. And there's so much I could say about that. But Jesus 
takes that piece of bread and he transforms it and he says, listen, the bread you're about to eat, it's going to represent my body. And so he's going to bless it. He's going to pray a prayer like this. Bow your heads. Father God, blessed are you, O God, ruler of the universe, maker of heaven and of earth, who gives us bread from the earth. And Father, tonight we thank you that you sent down the bread from heaven. Not the bread that our fathers ate and died after, but a living bread. A bread that we, if we eat and if we partake, we will live forever. Jesus Christ is the bread from heaven. And God, just as this bread is without leaven, we know that Jesus was without sin. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And as the bread is broken, we thank you that your body was broken. And God, tonight, we thank you that when we were hopeless and helpless, you came and you saved us. Father, we praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Take eat. Jesus says, Jesus then took the cup, which is the third cup, the cup of redemption in the Seder. He, he took the cup and he redeemed it. He, he changed it. He said, listen, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of new promises. And this promise is that if you trust in me, you'll never die. If you trust in me, your sins are forgiven. If you trust in me, you have a right relationship with God. If you trust in me, everything sad will be untrue. And Jesus is going to bless it. And he, before he does, he says, I'm not going to drink this cup with you because there's going to be a day I'm going to drink with you and that's in heaven. And so as we drink of this cup, we, we think of that day, that glorious day in which we stand before God in, in, in heaven and, and we're clothed in his righteousness and we're seated at the table and there Jesus is. And we look around and we say, I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I'm here. But I'm glad I'm here. And then we see Jesus and we celebrate because we know that everything in this world that was sad is now untrue. That he's righted every wrong. And in heaven there is no pain, no night, no crying, no death, no division, no turmoil, no racism, no injustice. All is right because the king is seated on the throne. And Jesus prayed, blessed are you, O God, maker of heaven and earth, who gives us the fruit of the vine. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, whose precious blood paid for our sins. Father, we couldn't save ourselves, but you saved us. And we thank you for Jesus. And God, I pray tonight that we would remember what you did, that our salvation wasn't cheap, it wasn't free, it came at a great cost. And we thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.